Specialty Story, session number 217. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, but now you're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your questions and help educate you on your non-traditional journey to becoming a physician. Now, welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to have amazing conversations with physicians about their specialty. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Alexander Karate, a emergency medicine physician who specializes in sports medicine as well. He's the team physician for uh, some sports teams, the ballet, and we go into a conversation about how as an emergency medicine physician, he ended up in that position and what potentially you could do if that is something that interests you. We talk about how he got there, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and so much more. We start the conversation with Dr. Karate about what drove him to emergency medicine to begin with. Yeah, so, you know, as a, you know, growing up, I always was into sports and, um, you know, played soccer and lacrosse pretty heavily. Um, I think when I got into emergency medicine, uh, you know, I, I was interested in sports, but didn't really understand, you know, what it, what it entailed. Um, I think I was just more interested in the, oh, cool sports, you know, it, it's fun to get involved in. Right. Um, and then, uh, my career, because I was in the air force, didn't really give me the opportunity to pursue that. Um, I knew a fellowship wasn't really an option right after residency, um, that I completed at Georgetown and, um, so, you know, I did my, my time in the air force and I was on a deployment. I was just kind of fried. And, um, I reached out to some of my mentors at Georgetown and, you know, I always had that idea that I'd be interested in doing a fellowship after the air force. And I reached out to, uh, Corey Hudson and Liz Del Sabero, who were the program directors at the time. And I said, listen, like, you know, I think I'd, I'd like to get into this. And, um, you know, they said, well, we're, we're a pretty competitive fellowship. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was like, well, you know, I've got some things on my CV. So I, you know, I applied and um, I knew that uh, I think I, you know, I read up a little bit more on it and what our fellowship at least entailed, which is, you know, yes, sports and sports coverage, but um, not all of it is that it's a lot of uh, musculoskeletal complaints, you know, and those aren't necessarily in athletes. Those can be in, you know, everyday folks that, you know, whether it's occupational or just age related. Um, and so it kind of opened my eyes into, you know, what, what a primary care sports medicine doc could do. And, um, what's really nice about the fellowship that we did was it's very uh, musculoskeletal ultrasound heavy. So we become pretty proficient at musculoskeletal ultrasound and, um, it, it, you know, as a, as somebody who enjoys procedures or something that was really appealing to me. And I guess kind of, as I got more and more into the fellowship, it just opened my eyes more and more like, wow, there's a lot that I can do with this. Um, especially in, from an ED standpoint and then from a, you know, personal clinical standpoint when, you know, when I opened up my clinic. So yeah. it was kind of, it was definitely something that was, that evolved. Um, it was not, I'm entering med school. I'm going to be a primary care sports doc. You know, I think I, I did a rotation when I was um, in the, you know, in med school, but I wasn't really interested in, in the surgical aspect of orthopedics. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't really have the mentality to be a surgeon, I think. So yeah. I think the primary care sports world, you know, lent itself to 
managing musculoskeletal injuries, concussion, and, you know, things I really did like. And then as an ED doc, I love procedures. And so, you know, I get to do procedures every day in my yeah. clinic. And so it's something that I, I it, it worked out <clears throat> for me. Um, I probably didn't know everything about it when I applied and, you know, got into it, but as things went on, it just, it started to become more and more appealing. And, you know, my ultimate goal is, I think I, you know, kind of ride out in the sunset as a sports med doc and, yeah. um, you know, at the end of my career and cause I, I definitely found a passion for it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You talked about how it kind of evolved over time, but it, it sounds like it also evolved a little bit out of necessity because, uh, your emergency medicine stuff was, was overwhelming burnout, all the kind of normal stuff that we're seeing day in and doubt across all of medicine. And, and you did something that not, I don't think enough physicians do is go, well, what else can I do? Right. It sounds kind of counterintuitive to add something to your plate. But it's the variety that kind of pulled you away a little bit and and kind of spread out and you had a little bit more joy that maybe you were missing from just straight ED stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a great, um, you know, observation. I had a my program director in in residency, you know, I think emergency medicine kind of lends itself to finding a niche Mm -hmm. and he he definitely encouraged us all um, to find a niche when we're in residency, you know kind of think about what it is you like. Um, there, there are not a whole lot of gray haired emergency medicine docs <laughs> out there. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm not saying it's not a great specialty. It is. It's a fantastic specialty. It allows me to you know, provide for my family. I've had some incredible cases. I've helped some, you know, help thousands of people, you know, daily. Um, it's, it's awesome. It really is. But for me, I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. I just needed a little bit more variety. And um, I don't think, I'd be able to go in and, you know, every, you know, 15, 17 days a month till I'm, you know, in my mid sixties, you know, hashing out ED shifts. Um, and so for me, the sports medicine aspect was an awesome way to incorporate things that I was really interested in, in my, you know, my career. And, yeah. You know, I think that's, in, and I think really having some insight and, you know, I, I had a luxury in that, um, I was an attending for four years and then I went back and did a fellowship and I think it allowed me to really appreciate the fellowship a little bit more and allowed me to be more of a learner um, and realize like, this is really important for me to pursue and I need to take this very seriously. It's not just another stepping stone to get to something else. It's, you know, this was, this was um, something I realized would be really important for the longevity of my career. Yeah. What are some of the biggest myths or misconceptions around sports medicine? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think it, it looks really sexy, you know, like as a primary care sports med doc, you're on the sidelines <laughs> and, you know, you're doing all this, you know, you're interacting with the team. And, but to be honest, you know, it's, it's kind of a lot of like 99% waiting around when you're on the sideline. And then every, every now and then you, you, you got something, and, <laughs> which is out great, to the field. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, which is, which is great uh, that yeah. people aren't getting hurt. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It, it definitely is fun. Uh, but yeah, there, there's not a whole, and to be honest, a lot of times when you're sitting out on the sideline, if it's just like a minor thing, most of the time the trainers are out there first, you know, yeah. those guys that you're seeing running out there, yeah. um, those on the field, they're trainers. usually the, they're the athletic trainer. It's yeah. not always the doc. 
unless yeah. you're like, you know, one of those docs that needs to be out on the field. <laughs> um, I, I think you got to You have to show the athletic trainer some respect and you know, that's, it's, it's their realm really. And you're yeah. kind of like a guest in their house in a way. It's like, it's um, like pre-hospital and, care and hospital care. The, it's the EMTs yeah, you don't and paramedics. Mess with the EM, yeah, yeah. Right. Let them, let them do their thing, yep. you know, and, yeah, put put your hubris aside a bit and just you know let them let them do their thing. I think that's real, and it's part of the team, right? You want big team, so it's important to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, what traits do you think lead to someone being a good sportsman, Duck? Um, it's a great question. You know, I think you do have to have you, you got to be patient. Um, you got to learn to kind of compromise in a way because a lot of these athletes. Um, they want to get back on the field, right? So you've got to really, I think it helps to have been an athlete. It doesn't, I'm not saying you have to have been, you know, I'm not saying you had to be like a collegiate athlete, right? But I think it helps to kind of abuse a bit and to understand the angst that comes with sitting out, not being, um, you know, on the field or participating. You, you, you kind of get that, yeah. you, you know, that, that I'm not involved. I'm not, I'm not part of the team. I'm not contributing. Um, and you, you understand how they can get so stressed, but then you have to weigh that with the fact that like they're injured and you don't want them to go, you know, get back in the game before they're healed. And so I see that with a lot of my really, um, kind of aggressive athletes, you know, the ones that are, you know, really tough, you know, tough, and want to get want to get back in there. Um, I, I swear, I think my toughest athletes are my my dancers, gymnasts. Um, they're just like they they don't want to take a break, mm. and they want to get back. You know, they're, they're dancing on distal fibula fractures and you know <laughs> things like that. I mean, broken toes and severe grade three ankles, and they're just they're doing it. And you you got to tell them like, listen, like it's important to take a step back. I know you want to get back into it, but it's also an investment. And if you put the time in now, we're going to get you back better than you were. But if you don't, then, um, you know, it, you could cause more serious injury. And it's just relating with them on that level, you know, yeah. as, as, you know as, as a previous athlete, somebody that played sports, you know, you get that. You, you, you understand the want to get back in the game, but yeah. you got to just kind of be honest with them. You got to work with them. You got to be patient um, and, you know, understand where they're coming from. You know, and I've had athletes argue with like yeah. I need to do that. I'm like, listen, like, you're taking on a huge risk. Yeah. And if, if you want to do that, that's fine. You, you can do that, you know, unless it's a concussion. Then I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. cause there's, you know, there's a lot of regulation with that, now, which is great. Um, yeah. but you know, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, like, listen, you, you can do it. You can go back, but yeah. we're going to have to have a serious discussion about risk here. It, it seems like, and not to kind of stereotype patients in general, but it seems like just the the opposite of a lot of healthcare is is the patient. Like, hey, can I get a note to stay home for a day or two, uh, yeah, right. while I recover from from uh, my cough? Um, so it seems like a very different patient population to work with in terms of uh, patients wanting to get back to their their level of of um, kind of performance. Um, for whatever reason, whether it's, it's, they're afraid of the the younger person coming up behind them is going to take their spot or just contracts right. or whatever that that's, uh, that's, that's causing it. How much of your role as a sports medicine doc is psychology? Um, it depends on what type of psychology, <laughs> you know, it, there, there, we do have to deal with mental health issues. 
for sure. Um, you know, whether that's depression, anxiety, um, we do have some, you know, eating disorders that we deal with, um, you know, uh, deficits in caloric intake, things like that. And then there's the other aspect, which, you know, the psychological component, I, I think, uh, Simone Bilas made a pretty kind of pot, you know, more out in the open, that idea of the, the yips. Right. And so yeah. that's something I don't necessarily deal with as much. I think they have their own kind of ability um, to do their own, you know, sports psychologists, coaching yeah. staff, you know, that's like a lot of what a head coach is or assistant coach is just kind of getting the player's head right. Um, I think I deal less Wait, I, I don't necessarily deal with that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to encourage them and I try, you know, especially if they have an injury and they're feeling depressed or anxious about it. You know, I try to understand that and be on their level with them yeah. um, and honest about their recovery and things like that. But um, yeah, there's definitely a psychological and, and mental health um, issues that we do deal with for sure. Um, yeah. And that's part of our training too, is being aware of those things. What does a typical day or a week look like for you? So I'm pretty busy. I think I might wear like eight hats. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, there's, there's my ED shifts, um, uh, which can run from, you know, seven to four to five thirty PM to two thirty AM or overnights from 11 PM to 7 PM and or 7 AM. And then go home, sleep a couple hours, hang out with my kids. And then, uh, you know, might get on the, the, get on a call with the ballet and talk about injuries, mm -hmm. um, go over to the ballet. Um, and then later that evening have a caps game where I'm working and then get a call from the fellows about, you know, this patient or this athlete over at Gallaudet university that's having issues. And, and then Thursday mornings, I, Thursday morning and afternoon, I have my sports clinic and, um, fielding calls, you know, before and after MRI results, things of that nature. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of balls in the air. Um, I do feel like it, it can be a little tough um, balancing it all, but um, it's, 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 it's fun being busy. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I really don't see any other way of doing it. So, yeah, but yeah, that's a great question. It, it, there's a lot going on during the week and then you got to balance family too. I have two young kids. So yeah. Um, one one of the hard things you, you mentioned, right, going to a, a Caps game at night, and for for those not listening or, or not 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 if you're not listening, how dare you? Uh, for for those who don't know, right, the the Washington Capitals NHL team, um, it, it the, those games are typically at night uh, during yeah. the week uh, because they want fans to come and fans when they're not working they want to go potentially go enjoy a game. How do, how do you? balance that again with with two kids as you mentioned having a family having a life um knowing that it's it's not a nine to five type of job yeah and you know the key is having an awesome spouse <laughs> um yeah you know, my wife's not in medicine but she 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 understands what's going on and um it's just when you know it, it stinks not to be home with you know, i have a three-year-old and a one-year-old it stinks not to be home with them and put them to bed sometimes um they're kind of used because of my ED schedule. They're also kind of used to me not being home at night, but then it also lends me time during the week where I can hang out with them. You know, I'll take them to daycare late. I'll pick them up early, um, that type of thing. So there's pluses and minuses, but honestly, I think having an understanding spouse, a very su supportive spouse is really important to, uh, you know, make sure you can get all that done. Yeah. Outside of, uh, game schedules are, is there any kind of call for sports medicine docs? Um, yes and no. Uh, if you're kind of employed by a team or um, a company or 
um, a university, that type of thing, you kind of are expected to be available. I wouldn't necessarily say there's call, but you need to be available. Uh, You know, most of the time there aren't a whole lot of emergencies, but you know, not everything's musculoskeletal. Say you've got that starting center on the basketball team who's having right lower quadrant pain. Um, You're the team physician. You're going to get a call. The first person they're going to, that athlete's going to call is the athletic trainer. And then the first person the athletic trainer is going to call is you. So you might get a call at two in the morning, three in the morning. Um, and your job is to kind of help facilitate things. Um, you know, that's, that's just one example, but you know, for the most part, um, I do find athletic trainers and PTs that work with teams are incredibly, uh, you know, uh, understanding of the situations of great medical knowledge. So they kind of know they're kind of the gatekeeper, you know, mm-hmm. not everything's going to go right to you um, as the doc, you're ultimately responsible. But if you've got a good ATC or a good PT that can kind of, you know, determine wh- what is it that we really need to bother doc about it, you know, three in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, that's really helpful. But yeah, I- I'd say not on call, but have to be available. Yeah. Uh the the training path you obviously went the emergency medicine route uh, and then did fellowship in sports medicine. Who are your other peers in in the fellowship world? Are they family practice docs? Are they PMNR docs? Who, who are the rest of the the sports med docs yeah, out there? That that's a great um, question. So you know what I do. We are we're non operative orthopedists. We're primary care sports medicine. So we're not surgical. We do lots of interventions, um, but this this fellowship lens is really only available to um, uh, emergency medicine. The bulk of primary care sports medicine uh, docs are family medicine, and then um, PM&R, internal medicine, and actually some pediatrics. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the majority, I'd say, majority is family med. Then it's probably tied between. PM&R, emergency medicine, then internal medicine, then pediatrics. Okay, interesting. And and do you think uh, any of those paths into sports medicine is there is there uh, deficits of of knowledge or experience that one has to overcome versus another to to be a good sports med doc? Yeah, I mean, I think each specialty definitely brings its own strengths. I think what me as an emergency medicine physician bring is my ability to kind of act on the fly, um, especially from a sideline standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, me being able to assess an airway, even intubate on the field, that's that's really what my role is actually with the Washington Capitals is, is their airway physician um, and their traumatologist there at games. And, um, so I think that uh, definitely gives, um, ED docs a lot of strengths from a sideline perspective. Also ED, you know, we do deal with a lot of different ailments, um, just on a regular basis. So even if it's not musculoskeletal, we know how to deal with say a paronychia or, you know, <clears throat> influenza or, you know, the common cold thing, these are things we're very comfortable with. So I do think as an emergency medicine doc, we're definitely that jack of all trades. And so we can, and, and sports is, you know, it, it's not just the sideline, right? So you're, you're managing these, these athletes, you know, at night or, you know, when they're home on vacation and things come up, everything's that every other person gets. So yeah. it's not just the musculoskeletal components, not just the concussion components, the everyday medicine component as well. And I think that definitely is something that emergency medicine, we're able to bring, kind of bring to the table, um, 
and then we are proceduralists. So we, <clears throat> we love doing procedures. And so if it's tapping a knee, injecting a knee, um, we're very comfortable with ultrasound. But these are all things that I think a lot of specialties are getting good at as well. PM&R is excellent in um, you know, ultrasound-guided procedures. They do fluoroscopic procedures. I don't do anything from spine. Uh, I don't yeah. do anything with the spine. So, you know, if you're a PM&R sports guy, you usually have a, or a gal, you have, you have a lot of experience with spine. And so that's something I always refer, um, refer out. Closest I get to the spine is usually like an SI injection or something like that. Um, yeah. But I leave that to my other colleagues. But so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely traits that each specialty brings to the table. Do you see any negative bias towards DOs that, that a DO student may have to work to overcome? Not really. I th- the, the primary care sports med world is pretty is very DO heavy, actually. I think a lot of things that they're trained in that me as an allopathic doc, I didn't have exposure to. Um, I think is they, they're able to um, you know use pretty pretty regularly in mm-hmm. their their sports med experience. So no, I, I don't think that um, that's a hindrance at all. I mean, it's like anything. If you're if you worked hard and you're deserving of it, you're you know you get a seat at the table. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is a, an interesting question. I don't ask it very often anymore, but. Uh, one of the questions that I always uh, that I that I like to ask is what opportunities outside of clinical medicine are there, and you've talked about some of them, right? Being a team physician, uh, whether it's a sports team, a dance team, how does one break into that world from a from a being a sports med doc? Yeah, so I, I got pretty lucky. Um, my company that I work for, MedStar Health, is um, very involved. Uh, whether it's in local athletics, professional teams, collegiate level, um, dance. I know they, they have a lot of contracts um, with these um, teams and companies. And um, so because I was employed by this, you know, very involved corporation, I, I was, it gave me a lot of opportunity. I, I'm not going to say it was easy to get my foot in the door, but it was, um, it definitely lent itself a little bit more, um, than if you say you were a solo practice or something like that. Um, I think one thing that a lot of docs do is they just kind of reach out, um, you know, they'll reach out to the a college team or they'll reach out to a high school team and they'll just say, Hey, who, who's your physician? Um, do you, you know, do you have something, somebody you work with? Um, and sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. And uh, sometimes they say, sure, we've been looking for a doc. You want to join us? Um, and that's, that's one way that I know a lot of folks have gotten their foot in the door. But yeah. it's, not, it's not easy. It's not, there's a lot of networking involved. It's, it's knowing, you know, sometimes it's who you know. And, um, but for the most part, if you're a good physician, caring physician and personable, you have no problem getting a physician, working with a, a team or a company or something like that. Yeah. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into sports med? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think that um, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, I probably would have studied my anatomy a little <laughs> bit harder when I was, <laughs> it was funny, like having to relearn everything. Mm. Um, you know, things as an ED doc, you know, you, you kind of know the basics, the orthopedic stuff, but it becomes when you become, you know, a sports med doc from a musculoskeletal standpoint, it's very topographic. Um, you really got to understand the nuances 
the insertions, the origins, the, you know, the activation, you know, things of that nature that really, you know, you, you probably forgot um, after, you know, that first semester of anatomy. Um, but it, it, uh, it was, it was tough having to relearn all that stuff and definitely, and then having to learn even more on top of that. Yeah. Uh, so that, that would be one thing, I guess, maybe I focused a little bit more, but yeah, I didn't really know what my path was going to be. And that's kind of the beauty of medicine is that it allows you so much different opportunity. Um, you know, yeah. once you're a doctor, you're a doctor and you can use that degree to do whatever you want, really, whatever you're passionate about. You can even be a podcaster. <laughs> you can, there you go. I mean, look at that. <laughs> look at me now. Um, what do you like the most about your specialty? Um, it's, I think what I like that I just say compared to the ED is I get to see people get better. Um, when I'm working in the ED, it's kind of rare that unless they come in with like a, uh, you know, a dislocated shoulder or laceration, you know, there's no like immediate, um, um, you know, solution necessarily. They don't necessarily just resolve, um, you know, they're coming in with a COPD exacerbation. They're coming in the hospital. I don't know really what happens to them after, unless I look at the chart later on, I don't really know what happens to them. But in the clinical setting, in the sports setting, if somebody comes in and, you know, they've got a rotator cuff tendinopathy and I, you know, put some steroid in there, we get them in some PT and they come back six weeks later and they're like, Hey, Dr. Karate, I feel awesome. Um, that's great. I mean, that, that's really rewarding. And it's a, it's a different kind of reward than say me intubating somebody in the ED. Um, yes, that's awesome. We saved their life, but I don't know how they did afterwards. This is where, Hey, look, you did a good job. And there was a, you know, there's a positive outcome. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. What do you like the least? Um, <laughs> kind of going along those lines, they keep coming back and they're not getting better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There are those patients that, you know, it's just refractory. And my, I always say my goal is to take a patient in the sports medicine world is to take a patient as far as I can before they need surgery. Mm. And at least from a musculoskeletal standpoint. And so sometimes when I refer them to the surgeon, like, listen, like, this is what you need. I do, you know, it kind of, it kind of bothers me a little bit, but in the end you're doing what's appropriate and you're doing what's right by the patient. So, but it can, that can get a little frustrating. Again, that's just, you know, putting that hubris aside and, you know, making sure that you're doing right by the patient. Yeah. What are your thoughts on just random question? Typically again, as physicians, it's like you start with the least invasive stuff, minimally invasive or uh, low risk stuff like physical therapy and, and steroid injections, yeah. stuff like that. And then surgery is typically the last resort. Uh, but then we see some athletes, um, uh, uh, Alabama's quarterback a couple of years ago being the, the one example that I know of, like had a high ankle sprain and they, they wrapped his, his tib fib uh, almost immediately. They're like, this is the fastest way to recover. We know you're going to be good for the championship game. What are your thoughts as a doc of like, well, that seems a little aggressive. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I can see how some people might have an issue with that. But again, it's, you know, every patient's different. Yeah. And the goals of that patient are, I, I want to play. Mm -hmm. And if that's the fastest way, I'm going to get back on that field. If that's the best way, I'm going to chances of getting to that next level in the NFL, then that's what's of value to me. And I, I get it. Um, now, you guys then think about ethics and is this going to mess the kid up? you know, long-term. Um, and these are all questions that, and 
when we talk about risk benefit and, you know, having those discussions with the athlete about, um, you know, what, what, what's the cost here? Not every, nothing's free. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, what's the cost here and you have to have an honest decision if the, and if the athlete says, you know what, I want to go forth with this procedure. And again, you know, a lot of people, they want to do surgery and I, I'd never knock my orthopedic, you know, colleagues, but you know, surgery is, it's invasive and there's side effects, there's sequelae, there's infection, yeah. there's, you know, things that don't anatomically align necessarily. So, um, it doesn't come without risk. There's no free lunch. Yeah. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of sports med that, that may change how you practice, how someone coming up through training, uh, will, will practice that they should be aware of? Yeah, I think, um, and something you're seeing a lot more in a lot of specialties is just ultrasound. Um, ultrasound prevalence is incredible. It, I, you know, I think what is it was temple university. They were handing out every student in their incoming class, got a butterfly ultrasound. It's awesome. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. And this is, that's something I train on with the butterfly. I have no stocks. I don't think like <laughs> trying to sell butterfly. <laughs> no ultrasound. disclosures. Here. There's a lot of, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of great ultrasounds out there. Handheld ultrasounds. I have yeah. an old sono site that I use at home and I'm constantly practicing um, on my wife, my kids. Um, but ultrasound is, uh, it's, 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 it's what's really nice about it in the clinical setting from at least a musculoskeletal standpoint is you can show that individual real time what's going on. Mm. And sometimes that's all they need to know, right? The ankle sprain. Well, I don't really get what is an ankle sprain, yeah. right? You show them that ligament that's partially torn, torn. You show them the fluid in that joint space they get it. Yeah. And then, and then they, they, because it's more tangible because they can see it, um, they work a little bit harder because it's real. Um, yeah. you know, me telling somebody, it's almost like the boogeyman. Oh, it's not real. That's not an angle <laughs> sprain. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to put in the time with the PT. You show them the boogeyman. They're going to say, yeah, we got to fend this off, you know? And so I think ultrasound is going to be an incredible tool. Um, not only in my specialty, but I think a lot of specialties, you know, we've been using the ED for years. And I think that's what really allowed me to transition into the muscle because musculoskeletal ultrasound compared to point of care ultrasound, very different, mm -hmm. very, very different. But I think my exposure as an ED doc to ultrasound on a day-to-day -day basis made the transition to musculoskeletal ultrasound really, I wouldn't say easy, but easier. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're just going to see sports med docs getting better and better at this. I mean, we use it on the sideline. Um, we use, I use it in my clinic every day. I mean, if you're coming with a musculoskeletal complaint, I'm, I'm putting an ultrasound probe on you because I, I just love the way that patients react to it, that they get a better understanding of their disease process. Um, and then treatment, um, you know, I use it to, I use all, all my injections are all ultrasound guided. So wow. I can see exactly where that needle is going. And, um, as before, you know, we were doing a lot of landmark based stuff and I, mm. I think the needle wasn't necessarily going where you intended it to go. Okay. Yeah. So we want to be as efficient as possible. And, you know, the ultrasound's allowing us to do that. That's awesome. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a sports med doc? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. You know, I always toy with the idea of, well, what else would I have done? I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't know necessarily I wanted to be a sports med doc. Um, but I think there is right now this hybrid emergency medicine, sports medicine, uh, practice. It's, it's, it's really fruitful. Um, I think I kind of can hit the spectrum of medicine from both, both ends kind of thing. So yeah. it's, it's nice. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. Yeah. I've been lucky. I've gotten a lot of really great opportunities. I've had a lot of really great mentors.
Any last words of wisdom for the, the student thinking about sports medicine in their future? Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> I think one thing is it's great to have, you know, kind of this predetermined specialty that you wanted to go into in, in medicine. I, I, want, I thought I was going to be a general surgeon. I thought I was going to be a trauma surgeon for the Air Force. Um, and it ended up doing that. You know, I realized pretty quickly that wasn't what I was meant to do. So I think, you know, you just, you got to really, I think, have an open mind, look into a lot of different specialties, don't be closed off. Um, but if this ends up being what you're passionate about, really, um, I think something that's important is to get a mentor, somebody that's in the field, ask them how they got to where they're at. Um, and, you know, what is it that they did right? And what is it they did wrong? Um, and, you know, really utilize them as a tool. I think the mentor-mentee relationship is extremely important. I've been lucky to have some awesome mentors um, in my career, coming back all the way to pre-medical. Um, and so, and then, you know, just be ready because somebody later on is going to ask you to do the same thing for them, and which is great. And that's the beauty of medicine is how you kind of pass it on. All right. There you have it. Again, Specialty Stories episode with Dr. Karate. What a great last name. Uh, sports medicine and emergency medicine physician. I hope this was helpful for you and you learned a little something about, again, it's these nice little niches that are out there in the medical world, where as an emergency medicine physician, you can go out and explore other passions as well. I hope this was helpful. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.